Hello and welcome to The Shana Show. I'm your host, Shana Safi, a qualified nutritionist and holistic health coach. I'm on a mission to help you live a nourished life on every single level. When it comes to your health, your purpose, your growth and everything in between, this podcast is a tool to guide and inspire you towards becoming your happiest and healthiest self. So if you're hungry for growth, you are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is the amazing Rachel Pavilla, who is one of my besties and someone who is just doing so many phenomenal things in this industry. Rachel has hands in many baskets. She is an author of very funny books, highly recommend. We'll talk lots about them in this episode, no doubt. But she's an amazing author. She's a fellow nutritionist. She's a yoga teacher, an astrologer, all the things. I feel like there's probably more things we'll chat about throughout this episode that you do. Um, You're always up to some new and exciting things every time we speak. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this episode. And I've brought Rachel on today um, to actually just talk about things that nutritionists yell about, which is one of her books. Um, and I just think it's such a fun topic because there's so many things that just enrage us as nutritionists that we see happening. And I thought it would be a really fun conversation slash rant for us to just get like get all of that out in the open. And you guys can just um have a laugh at the kinds of conversations we would normally have behind the scenes. So thank you so much for being here today, Rachel. I'm so excited for this chat. My pleasure, Bestie. Thank you. (laughs) I'm very excited. Yeah, so good. I should also mention that I have had Rachel on the podcast before, back when it was Nutrition Grad Guide. Um, Back in the early days, that's how we first connected. And since then, we've been the best of friends. But um, yeah, if you're interested in more of the career side of what Rachel does and all of the amazing things she's doing, highly recommend checking out that episode. Um, There's probably lots of updates because it was so long ago. But um, yeah, maybe for a future episode, we can do a little update recap kind of thing. (laughs) I'm so here for that. Yeah, amazing. So today, I guess, let's just get straight into it by what are some things that nutritionists yell about? Well, we don't like calorie counting. Um, We hate Roundup with a passion. Um, Mm -hmm. I just am enraged that people don't talk about the liver more often. She's such a queen and just like, why? Um, Vegetable oil gives me the, (sighs) what sort of language can I use in this podcast? Um, let's for this particular episode, let's it can be explicit. Let's okay, I'll put well, a little I, warning. <laughs> well, that gives me the shits. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, so many things. I was just okay, I've listed four. What about you? Yeah, I think all of those things as well. Um, yeah, calorie counting is a big one, vegetable oil is a big one. Uh I feel like there was something else that would oh fake meat. We need oh, to talk about God. fake meat. <laughs> the title of my book yeah um yeah natural flavors and just like additives and artificial ingredients and all of the things that people are like oh it's just a little bit it's not just a little bit guys it adds up everything in moderation I'm like so arsenic like (laughs) no (laughs) so true yeah I feel like we've got some fun topics to cover let's start with the good old calorie counting because I feel like it's something everyone does everyone has done at some point in their life I've calorie counted in the past um yeah so we've all been there there's no shame if you're someone who does calorie count that's listening it's okay this is just our perspective as nutritionists about why we shouldn't be calorie counting and we should be focusing more on getting nutrients and counting the nutrients and things that we're consuming as opposed to the numbers a hundred percent like we're not calculators and I think where it came from is probably this nice idea like it sounds really easy because Mm -hmm. like for example I think 
you know, like with budgeting and banking, it's really cool to like kind of have a system and a spreadsheet and all of that and just track everything because it works with numbers. It's designed for that. But we're not a closed system. So there's no exact way of knowing how much energy we're using up, exactly how much we need. Even like with nutrient references, it's the same sort of thing. Like there are averages, but we don't know exactly. And we don't have to know. That's kind of why, you know, the universe gave us, our creator, whatever your beliefs gave us, you know, ways of tuning in like oh I'm thirsty oh I'm hungry oh I really want some nuts maybe I need magnesium like yeah. you know all of that sort of stuff but I think it sells well and if you can almost if you think you can promise someone results and then show them oh it's because you're in debt this much deficit and I think it does work short term which is why it's gotten so far mm-hmm. because initially it works but then the body goes into starvation mode and it messes with hormones and it's just it's annoying because like we've said we've both done it because it sounds logical but when you realize that we can't treat our bodies why we treat so many other systems where it's just a simple equation yeah so so true yeah I love that you said the way we can't properly calculate exactly how much we need and things change, things ebb and flow. And also like we're not factoring in things like the fact that we don't digest certain things like certain types of fiber. We don't actually digest or get the calories from those. It's our gut microbiome that's digesting those for us. So it's like, there's so many little nuances that it's kind of like, it's much more complex than the black and white of being like, this is this many calories. This is how much energy is going to give you. Like sure, energy in, energy out. I understand all that concept, but there's so much more to it. And it's more about the type of food that we're eating as well like we could be getting 2000 calories from real food or 2000 calories from processed junk that has zero nutritional value and that we're just going to feel depleted from because we're not getting all of those nutrients that our body needs to thrive and to do all of the processes Um, so yeah I completely agree that we're not calculators and there's so many little nuances that calorie counting just doesn't take into consideration Mm, 100% like I think that to an extent as a rough guide if you're eating real food and you have like, I know for me, I have a rough idea of how much energy I need in the day. Yeah. And if for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I feel like I've lost a bit of weight or something and I haven't, because I don't track that sort of stuff. Like I just kind yeah. of intuitively, I might be like, oh, like, yeah, my maybe my, maybe I have been burning up a bit more and maybe my intake has dropped for reasons that I wasn't trying to control. And having a rough idea of that can be really useful. But so I think it's a guide. Like we're not saying, mm-hmm. I yeah. say that it's, doesn't work ever under no circumstances but yeah. like there were new there are nuances and first and foremost yeah. you have to do real food and not yeah. it's not down to the wire it's like have a rough idea mm-hmm. just your own reference point but yeah 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 completely agree and that's a really good point um and I think something you touched on there as well is like you kind of become more in tune with your body when you're not necessarily calorie counting to the exact number and amounts, because then you can listen to your body and notice, like you said, if you've lost a little bit of weight or if you need a little bit more food, like we can kind of work with our body. And it's really important to do that. Um, And yes, there's many variables as many times where we might have cravings for particular food for different reasons, or we might feel like more food than we actually need from a hunger level because it's of things like emotional eating. So there's lots to take into consideration here, but I think the more in tune with our body we can become and the more we realize it's not just that black and white of like, we need this amount of calories per day. um, The more beneficial it's going to be on every level because then by being more in tune with our body we understand more what our body needs and we can work with it rather than against it 100 percent. yeah 
Amazing. Any other little things you want to touch on about calorie counting or are we ready for the oh, next I feel like I feel like it's set the tone for like it's really about quality, which maybe yes. we could go on to vegetable oil. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Unleash. <laughs> okay. Like when we're saying vegetable, vegetable oil, like obviously olive oils, we like that. So like yes. some plant oils are good. Like I think this is where it gets so confusing because there are, again, there's nuances. Um, but basically when we talk about vegetable oil, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, we either mean generic vegetable oil, like the stuff that you buy in those big containers, it looks like urine and you kind of don't even know quite where it's come from. It's kind of like this and or that and or that. You're like, do you even know what plant? <laughs> you molested to get anyway sorry probably bad sorry bad reference bad reference no offense <laughs> um but then also like canola oil because even though it's supposedly really rich in omega-3s most canola plants are genetically modified so they've been sprayed with roundup which we will get to right roundup mm -hmm. will have its moment um but also yeah like safflower cotton seed Mm -hmm. um like all of that and because even though some of these plants um in their whole food form if we ate them not genetically modified in their whole food form would be nutritious mm -hmm. like our the way our biochemistry works doesn't really appreciate that massive load of omega-6s like it's we know omega-6s are good we do need them and we do need more of them when than we need omega-3s but the ratio that we get when we have straight vegetable oil is way too high and that can cause inflammation. Um, but also generally the quality is just really low. So instead of it being a beneficial oil, it ends up causing the inflammation that we're told it counteracts, yeah. which I think is why it annoys me so much. It's not like, you know, there are some things that they're not marketed as health foods. Mm. So even if they're available, people are like, look, I know this isn't good for me. The yeah. fact that it's marketed as heart healthy, yeah. that's what bothers me the most. Yeah. I'm like, you do what you want to do. But I, it annoys me that, like, I used to even consume it, like we're talking like as a kid and teenager, thinking it was better for me. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing that annoys me across the board with everything is when someone is making a conscious decision mm -hmm. and doing something that they think is good that is harming them. Yeah. If, if you just told them the truth, they'd go, oh, well, I'll stop doing that. Like yeah. I'm not doing it ignorantly in a way, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing, like that deception, it's just not fair on the consumer because then we do go buy things being like, oh yeah, this is going to be good for my heart or oh, it's got healthy fats because it's got omega-3. Um, and then not being fully transparent in their marketing and being like, well, actually, this is what this product is. This is how we got this product. Like the production process yeah. of vegetable oil in itself is shocking, which I'd love for you to explain. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's very deceiving. And I agree that that's something I don't like about the vegetable oils too. Yeah, and it's in everything. So again, like mm -hmm. we kind of want to weave this conversation into the other one. The other things we yell about, which is when everyone just says, well, not everyone, but a lot of people says, say, um, you know, everything in moderation. It's mm -hmm. kind of like, yeah, but do you have any idea how many things vegetable oil is in? Like, it's yeah. virtually impossible to go, go out to eat unless you cherry pick your cafes and restaurants. You can almost yeah. guarantee they've used vegetable oil. Pretty much all processed foods, even things that honestly, I would look at the front of the thing. I mean, I always do read the ingredient list just to be sure. But you mm -hmm. know, some even as nutritionists, we're like, oh yeah, this would probably be good. And then it's got canola, and you're like, why is that yeah. even? This is so good. Why is there something wet in it? Yeah, like, oh, so true. Like, like why? Are you afraid of the like, I don't know how this even. I just this is too much. I just yeah, much. yeah, I completely agree. It's snuck into absolutely everything, even so many health food products these days. And it's sad to see, but it's also great to see more companies are using things like extra virgin olive oil, mm -hmm. um, coconut oil, avocado oil, some of those healthier oils. Um, yeah. so 
I'm so sorry, I cut you off. No, I'm good. Go for it. Just typical. This is this is what happens during our conversations every yeah. day. It's like every five seconds. Sorry, Shana. <laughs> but even like um, sunflower oil, like it's kind of one of those things. I'm like, it's not the end of the world if it's <laughs> because at least it came from a sunflower, and that in itself is whole. Mm-hmm. But it's still one of those. I don't know. How do you feel about sunflower oil? For me, it's like the gray area. I'm like, look, I way prefer that over canola or vegetable oil yeah but don't go out of your way to consume it is that kind of how you see it with yeah one? very similar like if it's out of canola or sunflower I'd pick the sunflower um I still try to avoid it but I won't be as strict as things like canola or just straight up vegetable oil where they're not disclosing the source those ones I'd like flat out avoid whereas the sunflower I'm more inclined to consider um yeah but yeah, still try and keep it minimal just because I know like vegetable, it takes a really long time to leave our body as well. Um, is it something like four years? Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah. It's like a crazy amount of time. Um, so yeah, I just try and stick to the healthier oils. Um, but yeah, I agree that it is one of those more gray zone ones. Yeah. Let's make sure. Just because I yeah. know like, um, for example, pure harvest some of their milks contain like the higher leak sunflower oil but then I'm like but that's different because it's got more monounsaturated fat so it doesn't kind of have the same response and I think they've actually updated their formulas um on their milks where they've taken the oil out which is amazing because that used oh to be God. the only thing that like deterred me um you and now we love you yeah I know go pure harvest um so yeah pure harvest and Nutty Bruce are both ones that don't have the sunflower oil don't hold me to it but I'm pretty sure that pure harvest did take it out when they recently did their rebrand as well oh, I'm, I'm keen yeah. to check this out love this. yes that's it yeah absolutely another reason that I'm not like fully pro sunflower oil is just the production process of all of these oils um, which is something we can cover, but just the way that it goes through such heavy processing and then bleaching and like deodorizing and all these things, because obviously it's like this rancid oil that they're trying to disguise as something that doesn't have a smell, doesn't have a color. Um, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the production process? Yeah, sure. I feel like, so my understanding, and please jump in if I'm out of, out of the times with this, but if you think of, let's, I think the sunflower seeds are really good examples, um, just to go, even though we've said this is like the gray area one, but, um, if you were to have like a whole sunflower seed or like a sun, sunflower butter that we've literally just blended it up, you think about all of the, the fiber and the nutrients and antioxidants, everything that's there protecting those precious oils from going rancid while they have the time to be digested and all of that. Mm -hmm. So that's why like, it sounds really good when we hear sunflower oil because we're like, oh, your sunflower seeds, like that must be good, really good. But you see all of that, all of like those nutrients I just talked about, they're protecting those oils as soon as we strip them away from the sunflower. Like, so the, um, it's polyunsaturated fat. And I'm sure a lot of, lots of your listeners would probably know this, but just for those that don't, polyunsaturated fat's really unstable when it's just um, exposed to heat and light and how, if you think about like a sunflower seed, it's actually quite dry. I mean, yes, if you, you know, like blended it up for long enough, it would get oilier and warmer and the warmer it got, the more oil it would release. But if you just hold it in your hand, it's not even that oily. And even if you get it in a bag 
from like the bulk food store, barely any oil is left on the bag. That's how hard it is to get the oil out of a sunflower seed. So you kind of think about how many process, how much industrial processing has to go to get that much oil out of that many seeds into a bottle. You have to expose it to heat. You have to expose it to light to get rid of it. Still actually got a flavor. Like if you got a cold press sunflower oil, it would be in a dark bottle. It would have a very seedy, nutty sort of smell. You don't get that with the generic sunflower. So they've had to do extra processes to remove Mm. that. And you think about all of that by the time it gets to that bottle, it is so far removed from that sunflower seed that it's in a stable form. Mm-hmm. so many conditions now are caused by inflammation and just things that we can't avoid like I've been stressed today even I was gonna say this last week I was stressed this morning that's mm-hmm. caused inflammation I don't need to then be adding to that when I'm eating there's certain mm-hmm. things I can't control and as a cancer moon and rising stress is one mm-hmm. of those things I really struggle I just am a very emotional yeah. human um, <laughs> so, and a neurotic Virgo sun there we go so <laughs> I really can't in- afford to inflame myself when I eat because yeah. I'm too emotional. There's already too much inflammation being caused by my emotions. Yeah. And I'm a picture as well. Like I do all the things to calm myself down. And even then, so yeah. Do you want to add anything yeah. to that little rant? I think that's pretty spot on. And it's just, it's crazy that it does go through so much processing. And I understand for many real foods, there is some level of processing needed. For example, um, unhulling certain seeds that we eat that's a level of processing. So we can't fully say all processed food is bad, but it's like, that's still a real food. Whereas when we get to that level of processing, that things like vegetable oil are going under, it's a whole nother ball game. And that's why we don't like it because it's just so far removed from that original product. Like you said, it started off as that seed that was dry. Um, It's just completely different. It's no longer the same. And I think that actually touches on a really important point because sometimes we think that if something started as something that's a real food or a natural food, then it must still be okay. For example, natural flavors. Um, It starts off as a natural food and that's how people get away with calling it natural. But similar to vegetable oil and other things, it's gone through so much processing that it's no longer recognizable. Um, And it depends on the natural flavor they're using and all of that. So yeah, again, there's lots of nuances, but generally there could be up to a hundred different chemicals that just began as a natural food, um, but it could be completely different to what you think you're eating. So I think it's really important to factor in the processing when we are choosing those real foods and trying to go for those ones that are as close to their natural form as possible, because that's where all the nutrients are. And you even touched on that in terms of the sunflower seed as the example we're using that has all that fiber and the other like components to it. It's got some like proteins, some healthy fats, all of that. Whereas the more we extract that oil, the less of that complete package we're getting. And often foods are packaged up in particular ways because it works synergistically to help us get the most from that. So I think, yeah, really important points you touched on there. Thank you. Yeah. And I think it goes for like anything. Sometimes I just think we need to be humble. Like Mm -hmm. modern science knows a lot, but there is still probably so much we don't understand about food biochemistry. Yeah. It's like, I I love the example even of um, turmeric supplements, like the curcumin supplements. Now I know science and I'm, you can't see me, but I'm doing quote fingers when I say science, tells us that we can't get enough curcumin from just, you know, a teaspoon of turmeric to have the therapeutic effect. All I know is that in the past, the one time I went against my better judgment and took those supplements, I felt nauseous. I almost threw up. Whereas I have turmeric in my food every day and I genuinely feel that benefit. Mm. So 
there must be something else that's apart from the curcumin in the turmeric that we have yet to discover that allows you to just, just have a quarter of a teaspoon or half a teaspoon and get the benefit. Even mm -hmm. if under the microscope, we're like, no, that didn't work. Um, mm -hmm. Because I feel like nature didn't want it to be that hard for us to survive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's like, you know what, let's just make this easier for the humans. Let's just put all yeah. this stuff in. And then we come along and we're like, let's, we want to learn things, which is so fun. I mean, we're professional in food science. We've studied this. Yeah. But I think that like, no matter how much we know, I think there's still so much more we don't know. We don't have yeah. to know it, but these just going back to the basics can be really useful to fill in the blanks where we don't yet know. And we may never know. And that's okay. Definitely. Yeah. And trusting that nature created these things in particular ways because that's how they were meant to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really like going back to the basics and just trusting in nature and eating more of that natural food, true natural food, not just stuff labeled natural. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing now. I feel like there's so many things like even when you like avoid processed foods, I'm like, I don't want to say that because like, like you said, like technically it's been in a blender, that's processed. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just make sure it's natural and doesn't have vegetable oil in it yeah so I just say <laughs> or pseudo food so pseudo food is like food that products that are technically edible that seem like food that are masquerading as food that mm -hmm. in fact you put it in the body the body's like I'm sorry what yeah what is this <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> the computer says now yeah <laughs> so true yeah yeah I like that the whole um food versus pseudo food even like food versus junk food like there is we consider junk food just things like I don't know let's use chips and lollies as an example but really we could kind of like expand that view and anything that has been highly processed or is like masquerading as food and isn't actual food those kind of pseudo foods kind of all falls under that junk food kind of category it's like it's not what our body needs it's not that fuel which is the intention of food it's meant to fuel us it's meant to give us that energy to give us those nutrients when we start moving away from the real food and moving towards pseudo food there's none of that. There's none of that real food um, or the nutrients inside that we're just like, that's what we need. That's the point of eating. <laughs> it totally is. And I feel like this is something else that I yell about as a nutritionist is that it's almost like you get treated like the bad cop so much of the time yeah. because you're like, but it doesn't contain nutrition. People are like, oh, well, you got to live. It's like, do you know how many delicious orgasmic foods there are that will nourish you? Or at yeah. least that won't deplete you. Like white rice, for example. Like yeah. it might be super nutritious, but it's also not going to do anything that bad. And if you have it cold, it'll have resistant starch, which makes up for everything. Yeah. Like, you know, or just, yeah, it's almost like we've forgotten why we eat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like there's so many delicious real foods. It's not like it has to be about, deprivation it's like you can still get all those nutrients you need and really enjoy the food you're eating in fact we should really be enjoying the food that we're eating because real food is delicious especially when we know how to prepare it like even things like salads which is so often demonized like you can make some freaking epic salads that are just so yum because you you know how to use the right real foods to dress that salad and to put into the salad um or like raw treats that are often more delicious than like the packaged chocolate that you might get that you think you want, but actually like the raw treat version is going to be way more nourishing and enjoyable. And that's not to say you can never eat like a chocolate bar or chips or lollies or whatever it may be. Absolutely. That's okay. If you're, if you're fine with that. Um, but it's more about focusing what we do majority of the time and moving to real foods majority of the time. And we just notice our bodies feel better. Our taste buds change as well. So we start craving the good stuff as opposed to the really processed artificial stuff. 
Um, and it's just completely different. It's a real game changer. Mm. Yeah. My mum says she's a primary school teacher and mm-hmm. she just says, is that nutrient rich or nutrient poor? And the yes. kids will look down at their lunch boxes, they'll be like, nutrient poor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, mum for the wing. Helping spread the message. <laughs> Right. We, love, we love them. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> awesome. So we've talked a little bit about vegetable oil. Let's talk about margarine because that links in <laughs> really well. And we also yell about margarine. We don't like margarine. Oh, badly. <laughs> like, oh God, she's talking about margarine again. Yeah. <laughs> Why we got double glazing. Um, <laughs> okay. I think the, most, the easiest way to explain this, if you put butter and margarine next to each other and you let the ants loose, the mm-hmm. ants won't even touch the margarine. Yeah. Yeah. it says a lot doesn't it it really does so let's just go back to that lovely process we talked about before with the vegetable oil all those processes but wait there's more yeah. so it's not normally solid mm-hmm. at room temperature is no so we have to get it solid. so butter is just solid because it's a saturated fat and by the miracles of chemistry saturated fat is solid at room temperature vegetable yeah. oil as we know is is oil it's liquid so we have to we as humans have to do even more processes called hydrogenation and there's another word now I think I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of it but I think it's like interestification or something like that and it's virtually the same but it's it's like somehow it's not hydrogenation there's like a chemical discrepancy it's but it's still it makes it solid at room temperature but then again the vegetable oil like because it's been so like bleached and deodorized now it doesn't really have that same like golden hue that it once had and it so now it doesn't look like butter so we need to now um dye it with colors so it looks like butter oh and still doesn't taste like butter so now we have to put flavors in (laughs) oh and now it doesn't even have oh whoops we forgot butter has vitamins in it what have we done to this? This isn't food anymore, so it doesn't have nutrients. Let's put those nutrients in. Now mm-hmm. let's put it in a tub that says with rich in vitamin A and vitamin D. And it's like, of course you could say that about anything if you put it in there. <laughs> so true. Yeah, there we go. My neighbours are sorry. They're just like, oh, my God, Rachel, again, why <laughs> you buy this house? <laughs> Would you like to add anything? Yeah, I think that's so spot on. And something that happens in that hydrogenation of those vegetable oils as well is we get trans fats, which saturated fats have been demonized for so long. But the real problem is the trans fats because these are the ones that are causing more inflammation and can go into clog our arteries and all of those things. Um, So we're kind of like sold margarine as a heart healthy product again. Uh, And then it's actually doing the opposite. It's not helping our heart. It's not helping with our inflammation levels, which is kind of wreaking havoc on our body in general because inflammation is the root of most diseases um so we're getting those fats that we really should be completely avoiding like yeah i think that's a really important thing to mention because yeah. trans fats no no <laughs> no and that's why i think i get really confused because there are certain margarine or like alternative spreads that swear that their oil is not hydrogenated they say yeah, it's not okay. that and i think that's the interestification process like that's what I mean because I remember I did my research project on this in year 12 and I'm like technically it's not because that's the thing it doesn't say trans fat on the label I'm like isn't that illegal it doesn't like they have and I think it is they found a way of doing it without hydrogenating it but it's still so processed so it's I think that's the difference between the more bougier brands and then like your home brand 
margarine. I think that, yeah, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, I didn't know there was that differentiation, but it makes sense between those processes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the real root of the issue here is how processed it is as well. Um, just it's adding that layer onto the vegetable oil to get it hard, like you said, to get it tasting good, to get it looking good. Um, when it's like, just get some spreadable butter or make some cashew butter. <laughs> I just said, just end the podcast there, guys. Just get some cashew butter. Bye. <laughs> Rachel also has a book all about nut butter. So <laughs> it's a very passionate topic for her. <laughs> I love the nuts. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, just this pops into my head. Um, just for those playing at home, rapeseed oil is canola oil. If you mm-hmm. think that's like this new age health food, it's not. Yeah. And I think the name's really appropriate, just considering how many processes, how what's done to canola oil. I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, so true. Yeah. Yeah. Let's recap and say, so the ones that are no-goes, vegetable oils, um, we've got things like the canola, the sunflower, gray zone, um, safflower, cottonseed, rapeseed. One soybean. Yeah. Um, I think there's the majority of them. Majority. I feel like we're probably missing a few, but. Yeah. But then the good ones, so the ones to look for when you're trying to choose healthy products, we've got extra virgin olive oil, extra virgin coconut oil, avocado oil is also a good one. Macadamia. Macadamia. Lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, they're like the main ones that I'd use, especially if you're going to cook. And then yeah. they're actually also the same as ones I'd use then cold as yeah. well. Lovely. And there are actually so many things you don't even need to use oil for as well. Like So true. So, yeah. 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 Awesome. So for anyone listening along, they're the ones to look for and to look out for. Um, and obviously margarine no-go, but there is one or two um, spreadable butters, or like we said, just go for some cashew butter because that's creamy and delicious. Um, and if you're following a plant-based diet or choosing not to eat animal products, then a cashew butter is a great alternative to a 100% spreadable butter. Yeah, definitely. I think from memory, mainland spreadable yeah is the it's like it's literally just butter but yeah. although i think their organic one has rapeseed oil in it so contradictory isn't it it's kind of like yeah. here's the organic product which is in theory better but no, oil yeah yeah so watch out for that one um and also note that you can make your own spreadable butter at home with a block of butter and you can mix it with either water or a little bit of extra virgin olive oil um there's plenty of recipes online so you can just google homemade butter uh, sorry, homemade margarine from butter, um, and you'll be able to find a healthy, much healthier, and it probably is going to save you a lot of money too, because like getting it in that tub does increase the price of it for some reason. <laughs> you have to pay the advertisers to convince you it was good for you. So true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome so I feel do you feel complete about vegetable oils and margarine I feel like I have closure I feel yeah me too yeah (laughs) next what what would you like to rant about next let's go into glyphosate (gasps) (laughs) roundup yeah bad roundup yeah all right so let's explain to the listeners what is glyphosate slash roundup Okay, so glyphosate is the active ingredient in a very notorious herbicide called Roundup. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it's like to be fair, there's probably other stuff other than the glyphosate in the entire product that isn't ideal. But glyphosate's the one we have the most research on, so it's the one that gets thrown under the bus as much. So in glyphosate's defense, its friends are probably just as bad. Um, <laughs> and it's sprayed on 
Um, well, one of the largest crops, especially in Australia, is wheat. It's sprayed on pretty much all wheat crops unless you're getting organic wheat. So just caveat there. And same in like places like the US. Um, it's also sprayed on corn, cottonseed, canola. So I feel like we've already talked about some of these things. So there's a double whammy involved here. Uh, what did I say? Sawn. Sawn. That would be corn, soy, <laughs> canola, cottonseed wheat they're like them oh, and some a lot of sugar cane as well so they're like the main crops it's sprayed on and alfalfa as well which is like just weird random ones so yeah. like, okay <laughs> um and basically what it what has been said for ages which is why it's kind of always been like a gray area and so polarizing is that for years they were like oh no it doesn't affect humans it only affects the bacteria like microbes you know, mm -hmm. we're just putting microbes. It's not going to do anything to humans. Then we found out about the microbiome and we realized mm -hmm. that we are outnumbered by more microbes than we are our own DNA. And it's destroying the microbes that make a lot of our amino acids for us. And those amino acids are really important for function. And it's really not good for the liver either. Um, so yeah. they're the things that like are really solid. There's really solid evidence for. And then there's also what you'd often probably hear about in the media is like the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that it's linked to. Mm -hmm. I don't, I try not to get into that as much just because it's is a, it's still one of those contentious things I'm like I don't care it's destroying microbes I don't <laughs> want to destroy my microbes let's just go down that route because I feel like that's a little bit less contentious um and again it's one of those things that it's like all those things I just mentioned so wheat is in nearly everyone's diets unless you're consciously avoiding it and then because corn canola and soy are often in vegetable oil anytime you have anything processed that has vegetable oil you're getting it in there but then even if you're having gluten-free products thinking that you're doing the quote-unquote right thing a lot of that has corn soy canola in it too so you look at it unless you're reading ingredient list and you're being really conscious even eating out like we said these things often sneak in you're having roundup potentially at every single meal and snack mm -hmm that you consume and the body is so resilient that it will deal with it and it will deal with it and it will deal with it and then I have a theory that don't get me wrong not just this so many different things like stress and you know artificial fragrances a lot of different things but that when someone gets diagnosed with an inflammatory condition in their like 40s or 50s mm -hmm. no one points to the thing that they've been consuming every single day since birth so like true. genetic it's like 40 percent the other 60 percent was what the environment did, all the things we did over years that switched on that 40%. Yeah, so true. Yeah, it's crazy and hard to avoid as well because it is in so many things. It is, yeah. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add to that? Yeah, I think maybe just that like it shows one of the benefits to organic produce because it's not sprayed with Roundup. Um, yes, it's sprayed with other things, but like we don't have that glyphosate, which is killing off the micro microbes. So one of the benefits of going organic where we can, um, for example, bread, I'll often still eat bread, but I'll try and go for an organic or a biodynamic sourdough bread that I know the wheat is of better quality, or I might go for like a rye or a spelt or those kinds of things. So there are ways around it. Um, I also want to touch on the fact that I need to bring wheat beaks up in this because I feel like it's Me one of the too. things. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's one of the things I yell about. I know there's a lot of nutritionists who are all for wheat beaks, but just the fact alone that wheat is one of the most highly sprayed like crops with glyphosate, having wheat bix, which is just very highly processed wheat, which has like all of the nutrients taken out of it to the point where they need to add in fortified nutrients and vitamins because they've taken it all out. Um, so yeah, this is one of the reasons I personally have a problem with wheat bix and I don't recommend it as a nutritionist. Um, My second, third, fourth, fifth 
thousand that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I just had to drop that one in as well. <laughs> so glad you did because it is. I hear so many other nutritionists that are like, I get so annoyed when people, you know, have a go at Weebix. I'm like, why have you not? I want, I want to. I, I don't. I refrain, but I want to message them and be like, just sorry, have you not heard of Roundup? Like, I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of like cancel culture just anyway yeah. yeah and again like going back to that whole um you know we talked about the margarine being fortified that's why I really don't care for nutrition panels because yeah. if you look at the nutrition panel of wheat bix it looks so impressive like I remember mm-hmm. being 12 I used to love like hot wheat bix make it into like a porridge like crush it up hot milk brown sugar I was very happy with life until I learned about this side of things but I go oh my god it's got like 50% of my folate needs I didn't even know what that was and I'm like that sounds really important and it's got iron it's got this it looks really good Mm -hmm. you understand that that's all stuff they've had to add in it didn't come from a fleet yeah and also factoring in that a lot of the vitamins they fortify products with are synthetic so it's not necessarily a natural vitamin like you would get in its form in if you're getting it from a plant food or animal food or whatever it may be. It's a synthetic vitamin nutrient. It's not packaged up with all of the other compounds that are going to help it be digested and absorbed and help our bodies get the most out of it. So yes, it might have a really high percentage of a particular vitamin or mineral that we need, or it might be hitting close to our daily requirement, but is it actually doing the same thing that it would be as if we were getting that food in that amount from a real food? and it's original source so true and especially with folate it's like hope you don't have the double mthfr gene because you're not exactly. that, that folate. Uh-uh. yeah exactly. that's going straight to the liver yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh good bridge segue into the liver <laughs> um our livers are such queens and we just never talk about them. And then when we do talk about them, it's usually like a joke about alcohol abuse mm. because that is so Australian to be like, ha, liver. And I'm like, mm, but also like. Yeah, poor liver. Right. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I've, I'm like white, really sensitive to this because I am a survivor of a liver disease. Yeah. So I'm like, my liver is amazing and I'm never going to like do anything to harm her ever again. But yeah. the liver has over 500 jobs. I feel like just that alone should be mind blowing. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you you heard the intro at the beginning. I have a lot of jobs. I but I've got nothing. The liver. I've got nothing on the liver. Like she yeah. just does all the things. And chemical elimination is just one of them. Mm-hmm. But more and more, more you ask that of her, the more and more jobs she has to put on the back burner or try and do in spite of that, and then she gets burned out. And she, yeah. I I refer to her like a. You know, with she, because I just feel like maybe you might care about her more if like I attach an identity to her. Yeah, I love it. She's so resilient. Like she tries so hard to keep going, keep going, and keep. She's like like the um the super mum that you know has five kids and works full time and all of that and all of that and like tries so hard until it's almost too late. Like it's your liver function tests are not going to be out of range until she is screaming. Mm-hmm. And often other organs come in to pick up the slack. So you don't even get really, the liver is one of those things where you're going to have maybe a few vague symptoms. You're not going to necessarily think they're the liver. And in the meantime, your other organs come into play, go, maybe I could take that job away from you. I could maybe do that. And it's just, and so people go, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, you're my liver function tests are fine. It's this, it's that. And it's like, yeah, but why do we expect so much of this precious organ? And I, pro- I don't know, but I think I was so impassioned. I don't know if any of that made sense, but do you want to like jump in now? 
Yeah, I think it's so true. And like, it does so much work for us. And it's true, like we can do little things to help it and take some of that burden off. For example, like limiting the amount of chemical exposure and choosing wisely with what we eat. And this is one of the reasons we're all about that real food, as opposed to the processed food, which has more of the things that she's going to be burdened by. Um, Yeah. And I think one of the most incredible things about the liver as well, along with what you said about her having like over 500 jobs is the fact that she can regenerate. Like Mm, I just find that. Yeah. It's so phenomenal. It's like one of our organs that can literally be damaged. And then if we treat it right and we create the healthy environment for it, it can regenerate and it can come back and it can gain more function. Um, So I think that's pretty phenomenal as well. So she's like incredibly forgiving as well. Yeah. So, and I am sorry if it sounds like we're just crapping all over everyone's lifestyle choices here today. Like I think the point is, is so that your body is so resilient. Yeah. So even up until now you've been smashing the wheat fix and thinking vegetable over heart healthy and using margarine, thinking it's like heart healthy. We've all been there. Like hundred yeah, percent. But and like I had not I lost 98% liver function and I now back I still need to be careful because that's a lot of damage to come back from but that's how the liver is and like yeah my body still somehow managed to keep functioning what not well I might add but you know it did that like like, that's how incredible the body is but there's we really do expect a lot from our bodies and I feel like we don't quite understand sometimes how much strain we're putting them under because they they try not to scream at us unless until it's almost too late because they're trying to do us that favor of not inconveniencing us yeah yeah our body's so, so phenomenal yeah. yeah so we love the liver and also we artificial do. fragrances are just something that are out like we talked about um natural flavors can have over 100 chemicals that's mm-hmm. a natural flavor let alone flavor let yeah. alone fragrances parfum perfume whatever you want to call it in yeah. personal care products it's just one of those things that's so ubiquitous like mm. it's it's in air fresheners, it's in perfumes, it's in shampoos, soaps, conditioners, carpet yeah. cleaning, all the things. And that is, I just feel like the liver cries every time we breathe a little bit of that in or touch it yeah. or anything like that. And it's such a simple thing, just getting unscented things or you, making your own things, using essential oils. Yeah. Just literally takes such a load off. Yeah. Liver. So true. Yeah. Moving towards more natural um home cleaning cosmetic skincare all those kinds of things if we can move more down the natural path we're really decreasing that chemical burden and like the fragrances and all the other things that are in our yeah even cosmetics and skincare I think I saw a fact about how many tons of chemicals we we um, absorb through our skin from our skincare and stuff per year and it was just crazy to think that there's so much coming from that Um, but little swaps like swapping for more natural ones where we can don't have to do it all at once and I love also that you touched on like we're not trying to shame anyone for their personal choices or their food choices in this episode um, because the way that we've been brought up the way that we've been taught we think all of these things are good for us and we are doing the best we can with what we know Um, so we're just here to kind of shine the light on it in hopefully a humorous way of ways that we can make easy changes and little swaps and you don't have to go all or nothing either I think this is something in the health industry many of us can get wrapped in all or nothing. If all you do today is switch to a, um, like a more natural washing detergent, that's already an incredible step. Or if you just switch from having uh, margarine to hundred percent spreadable butter, that's a huge step as well. So every little thing we do, it adds up in a positive way. Um, so don't feel like, oh my God, I've got to completely change my life. 
Um, over time, sure, you can if you want to, if that aligns, but some of this might not even align with you. So take what you want from this. <laughs> oh, I love that you said that. And like when we yell and get angry, we're not angry at you. No. <laughs> like listening to this stuff and believing it. We're just angry that sometimes I'm angry that our job title exists. I'm like, I can't believe there has to be pay- like that. It's our job to literally be like, you know, all that stuff we've been told. Let's not do that. Let's just. <laughs> basically eat real food that we probably could have figured out was good for us to begin with because it's from nature. Like yeah. that's pretty, it's, it's wild, but at the basic level, a lot of our job is uneducating and like yeah. re-educating. Yeah. Um, so and true. I love that you say you don't have to do everything all at once because like, just to go back to like when I was at only 90, I was at 2% liver function. Mm-hmm. The first thing I did was I went on to real food. So my first step was getting rid of, um, additives and anything scraped around up I didn't go organic I didn't even get rid of dairy like I didn't do any I didn't cut out food groups I didn't actually switch that many first oh I started to switch a few personal care products but I think I still use deodorants so but I started to go into remission from that first step yeah over time I started mm-hmm. to do I've, and I've never been 100% organic I'm not saying that's not a great thing to strive for I just haven't done that and I haven't needed to yeah and I still sometimes like the smell of some people's perfume. Like yesterday, a friend had a really lovely one on. I complimented her on it. And then yeah. she tried to, she's like, oh, you know what? I've only got a little bit left. Have the rest of the bottle. And I was like, oh God, no. <laughs> you keep it. I'll just enjoy it when I hug you. That's fine. Don't be silly. I'm like, no, no, my lip. My lip. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we all do those things, but it's just like yeah. you said about the washing powder. That is yeah. every outfit you wear every day and yeah. your sheets and your hood. That is a massive change. So we're not even placating you and being like, oh, honey, that's a lovely little change. Like, good mm-hmm. on, like, like, it makes a massive difference. Yeah, it really does. Every little bit does count. Um, yeah. So interesting about those changes you made along the way. And yeah, it makes such a difference. And like you said as well, our body is so resilient. So even those little changes, like, they're huge for our body. They're still like, it's so appreciated by things like our liver. Um, yeah now liver just at the moment this is topical makes a lot of our innate immune cells for us so just yeah. let that sink in yeah in the midst of COVID and flu season just yeah so we want to look after our liver support really our good. immune system yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah so important yeah I this is one thing I love about nutrition especially where we learned it at Endeavor um having that holistic approach um and really looking at all of the systems and the ways they work together. So we might be like saying things that are good for the liver, but it actually is really supporting all the other areas of our body. And that's one of the great things about not being super reductionistic and being like, oh, we need this exact thing for this. Like it all works really well together. Um, And that's why I'm so big on holistic health as well, because every little thing we do in life is either going to be supporting our health or potentially like detracting from our health. And we can make those choices and we can consciously choose to make whichever one. And there's no judgment around either, but the more choices that we make to help support our health, it just makes such a huge difference to not just one organ, but all of the organs. So yeah, it's just pretty magical. Like the little changes in our life can actually just be benefiting so many different systems. It's so true. And like pretty much all the nutrients have a role in all of the systems in one way or yeah. another as well. Like we often go vitamin A for eye health. It's like, yes, and immune health and hair yeah. health and yeah, gut skin health, health. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's fun. like just even, but even if you're only doing it for the one thing, all the other things yeah. are so it's okay. Just, yeah. yeah. It's funny that you bring that up just because I remember years ago, like when I was, still in my during my undergrad degree and I was at a party and it was like 
a group from high school and one of the um, guys, he was studying medicine and he clearly liked nutritionists. Mm-hmm. which is so that was fine I was off the hook but he didn't like naturopaths and he went and he must have assumed I felt the same way so he just started having this massive massive bitch fest about naturopaths and he was like do you know what really gets me is that they just say everything is connected in the body and I was <laughs> I was just like I didn't say anything I was like mm, I changed mm-hmm. the subject but in my mind I'm like what kind of a weird ass anatomy and physiology are they teaching you yeah. <laughs> but you think the system just it's like, it's like on the Titanic when they had to just close all those doors at the bottom of the thing to stop the water gushing. It's like the body doesn't work like that. It doesn't no. <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah, if it impacts one thing, it impacts all things. So we may as well be doing things that support all of the systems. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. Like, That's so funny. They are connected though. <laughs> They're so connected. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I just, I always think back to that. I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's doing now. Yeah. Hopefully he knows that the systems are connected. Hopefully. Maybe they just hadn't gotten that far. In. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it came later. You have to learn about things in isolation before you put them together. Very good. Yeah. Very, very important. important. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Too funny. All right. Um, fake meat. <laughs> Let's talk about fake meat. <laughs> This is a good section to talk about fake meat in because basically I think all we need to say is the first ingredient in most of them is wheat gluten, not even mm-hmm. wheat, wheat gluten, yeah. then normally GMO corn, GMO soy, then vegetable oil, then flavours, and then a few other additives. Just to throw some more in the mix, you know, because it wasn't already bad enough. <laughs> no, but like pretty much everything we've already yelled about yeah. is literally what fake meat is made from. Yeah. And now they're starting to, we, we've already had our discussion off air about this many times, but now there's a new thing called air meat where they're like making fake meat from microbes and air or something like that. Yeah. And I'm just like, but, but, but lentils though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the real it's things, right? fake meat, It's called a legume. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And I think like, in itself like not all of them are called fake meat per se but that's what it is it's fake meat it's pretending to be something that it's not but that word fake we should just know automatically if it's something that's pretending to be something it's like what we were talking about pseudo food before um it's fake it's not real food it's not coming from that natural source it's been highly 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 processed with all of these things that we don't like in there so it's just like literally the word fake says it all before we even need to justify any of the other stuff. Well, like, well, they're like, oh, mock meats. It's like, yeah. It's like, mock is still pretend. Word. Like, I'm mocking you. Like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, moral of the story here is pretty much just stay away from fake meat. Go for legumes and things if you don't want to eat meat. Absolutely. There's, they're real foods. They're going to be really supportive. They've yeah, got nuts. great nutrients. Yeah. Nuts and Love seeds. Nuts. You got to throw that in there. <laughs> I just again, yeah. I got um, and also for me, what gets me is that a lot of people that choose this, and this isn't a judgment thing. Like we're all on, we've all we all come from our own like perspectives and stuff. And some people, it's yeah. purely environmental. Yeah. Um, I will throw in though that GMOs not good for the environment because mm-hmm. like I say, not good for bees. Yeah. I don't think we want to know what happens when bees leave this planet. Mm. Um, I think we won't be long for this world without them. Yeah. Well, the scientist that has found a way to heal them from the effects of Roundup with mushrooms. Amazing. That's right. We love that, but we shouldn't yeah. be having to do that. Yeah. Love mushrooms for the bees. Love mushrooms yeah. for us. We shouldn't have to do that, though. Yeah. 
Um, sorry, but anyway, going back to the environment thing. But like for those that choose it for an ethical route, why mm. do you want to eat something that is pretending to be a dead animal? Mm, yeah. Just could you just sit with that? Yeah, true. You let me know. Like slide into my hands. Love to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And even like, as you said, from that environmental perspective, um, GMO, obviously not good for the environment, but neither is things like monocropping and the way that they are growing a lot of that soil, that corn and having huge, huge, huge fields just of one crop. And then they're depleting the soil. They're not looking after the environment properly from that perspective either. So it's really depleting our soil supply. And we're already in trouble when it comes to healthy soil and being able to grow food long term so we really don't want to be doing things that are causing that more harm we actually are better off having grazing animals in fields helping to fertilize that soil and those kinds of things in a healthy ethical sustainable way as opposed to factory farming which is probably another thing we could yell about but I like, do. <laughs> yeah <laughs> understandably it's an awful thing um, so just looking at it from that perspective and being like, even though it is a plant food and even though it's being sold as something that's better for the environment, the way they're growing it isn't necessarily better for the environment. So again, it's kind of like that greenwashing and then making us think something is healthy, um, or green or natural or good for the environment when it may not actually be the whole truth. There's much more to it. Definitely. And there are, when people are like, at least it's better for you than actual meat. I'm like, at least your body knows what to do with actual meat. Exactly. You yeah. might, I'm not saying everyone has to choose to eat meat. I personally don't, but yeah. at least it is food. It is food. Yeah. And it's got <laughs> great nutrition in it. We evolved eating meat. We didn't evolve eating fake meat or highly processed foods. In fact, when processed foods started getting introduced, yes, it became easier to access foods, but we're also seeing a huge increase in disease rates and just like general unwell, like just people being less healthy. Um, as we get further and further away from eating more of a natural way. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. <laughs> Oh dear. Else left to yell about. I feel like we've hit some pretty big topics there. I feel like this is good. We could probably do like a part two down the track. We'll think of some more things and we'll um, throw them into another episode. Yeah, we've given people enough to digest. Yeah, lots to digest. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you might have turned off at some point. Shut up. (laughs) you're like you two need to stop ranting (laughs) no I think this has been such a good conversation though and a great way to shine the light on some things to avoid Um, and hopefully we've provided some healthier alternatives too and ultimately it just does come back to that real food um, and being more in tune with our body and listening to what our body needs and our body wants Um, but the more we can just come back to basics and eat from nature the happier and healthier we are going to be Mm, yeah yeah, yeah. And I know that like I get so passionate about this is just because I didn't know better and it almost yeah. killed me and I, yeah. I'm not even exaggerating and honestly I just my, my whole thing is like I just want people to know better before they get as sick as I did yeah because yeah we deserve to know better when we shouldn't all need to have to have a degree to know how to feed ourselves definitely yeah I completely agree with that yeah, this should be stuff that we're just taught, like in school as we're growing up. But yes, well, Rachel's I'm doing going to get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rachel's studying to be a teacher, so she'll be making a positive impact on all the little kitties. I promise, I'm not aggressive with big kids. <laughs> I don't swear ever in front yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, 
you do some fun um, role plays and things. Actually, your um, books, the way you write your books and like giving different organs identities and different foods identities, so funny. Um, yeah, let's chat a little bit about the books you have before we wrap up and just like ways that people can learn more about all of these topics um, from you and have a laugh while doing it. <laughs> Sure. So in my books, I often just get the body parts and the foods to do the yelling for me. <laughs> takes, takes the pressure off me. Uh, no, so um, do you want me just to go through each of my books and what they're kind of about? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so my first baby um, is called Periods Poo and a Glorious You. So she's my paperback. All the rest of my books are ebooks for environmental reasons. Um, and she's kind of a like part autobiography, part health emporium, part recipe book. So because she was my first, that's like kind of me telling my story. And in doing that, every chapter I focus on a different body system or a mm -hmm. different like health sort of topic and what I how I kind of learnt the hard way through my own experiences. Um, but I give a lot of information. I bring a lot of the body parts to life, like uh, the liver and the detox pathways and you know foods itself so like we've got wheat telling his own sad sob, sob story about how he's been hybridized and sprayed with roundup and all the other grains are like oh we feel so sorry for you like we're kicking goals we're superfoods and like here you are that, that must suck sorry wait so like <laughs> and then at the end of every chapter you get um, a recipe that helps you immediately support that body system yeah. so we may have just had a bit of a rant there have been some truth bombs that might seem overwhelming, but there's always like that take home message. And like here, if you do nothing else this week, just cook yourself this meal and mm -hmm. it will support that body system. It will start to undo some of the damage that you could not have possibly known you were doing. So please don't worry. And it really champions how resilient, like the overall message of the book is like, even if you're on death's doorstep, you can turn it around with the right education and the right actions. Like, yeah. and I'm living proof of that. So I'm almost grateful for like, what happened for me because it's like you know I feel like it wouldn't have the same effect if I was like I just had a bit of IBS and then I like got rid of Roundup and yay like it's like no I almost died guys yeah. and now I'm really healthy so yeah that was that um and then um I wrote uh peanut butter and parodies and that's like um my version of the barefoot investor but instead of finance it's food so it's like an eating disorder prevention and recovery book it's a, like it's kind of like a 10-month program but it's packaged in an ebook um and it kind of goes through these 10 commitments that you make to yourself and by the end of them hopefully you all of the confusion you have around food and nutrition everything we discussed today is you kind of there's no more confusion you feel really empowered to make your own decisions and yeah, to eat intuitively and all of that sort of stuff and the parody part of it is um instead of a recipe you get a I do it. My take home summary is a parody of a pop song. That's like <laughs> with what we just talked about. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, there's what about we and, you know, sort of what about me and other yeah. ones, many <laughs> others, some Taylor's there, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> then uh, Nut Butter on Life is, as far as I know, the world's first encyclopedia of nuts, seeds and nut butters. So, so it's literally the first section goes through um, every single nut and seed individually and all its benefits, how, um, how you can use it, different ways to use the butter that you can make from that nut or seed. Then I've got some like the second section has like fusion butters. So when you mix and match them to get multiple health benefits. And then there's at the end, there's like over 100 recipes and serving suggestions for using nut butter because um, there's so much more than just peanut butter, cashew butter, almond butter and having it on toast. Like there are so many different things you can do. Um, and then my latest one is quite literally called Fake Meat Isn't Food and Other Things Nutritionists Yell About. And it's literally a book of 12 essays. It's like the 
longer winded transcript of this podcast. Um, you just, yeah, all the things that me and Shana and me and my friend Lana as well, who's another nutritionist, we, we yell about a lot and yeah, it's really whimsical. Like it was so much fun to write and it kind of just demystifies everything. It's completely referenced as well. So it's not just me talking out of my ass. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's all there if you do want to go and read all those papers and whatnot. Yeah. So amazing. And where can the listeners find those books? On my website. So all the w's.realsoup for the real soul.com. Um, and if anyone um, would like, um, if you want a copy of my first book, if you buy that through my site, just put a little note in your order saying that you listen to this podcast and I'm more than happy to gift you a copy of one of my eBooks um, for free as like a thank you for getting to this point in the episode. Good on you. <laughs> so generous of you. And yes, we appreciate those of you listening so much. <laughs> Um, speaking of books, if you could recommend one book for every listener to read, what would it be and why? <sighs> Other than mine um, and The Barefoot Investor, which I did mention in the last time we chatted, um, I actually feel like this is probably not what people are expecting, but the world is so serious at the moment. The Harry Potter series, because I just yes. think we need some escapism and there's just, they're big and they're thick and they take ages to get through and they're just this little slice of heaven yeah. where you don't have to be thinking so rationally all the time because we just yeah. need escapism at the moment. Yeah, for sure. I'm bringing more magic into people's lives. I'm a big fan of Harry Potter, so I'm always going to approve when that gets recommended. <laughs> <laughs> also, like, I stand the Ron and Hermione relationship thing. I'm just like, yes, come yeah. on. Go like on. <laughs> Get through it. (laughs) Amazing. And so if there's one piece of advice that every listener could take away from this episode today, what would it be? Um, To yell more. No. Um, (laughs) Go on rants. (laughs) Off your neighbours. No. Um, Your body is so resilient. But there's only so much resilience that it, we should really expect it to do. But there, you can, you honestly just making one small change. And once you've mastered that, doing the next one, it does make a massive difference. And you can start to reverse conditions that have started to, to develop that you haven't even been aware of yet. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, please just pick one thing, whatever you think will be the most easiest or will make the biggest difference mm-hmm. and go from there. And it really does have the snowball effect. Mm -hmm. it really does like it might seem overwhelming now but if you just take it one step at a time I promise it gets less overwhelming and I find the the mindset of I choose to not oh I can't do that anymore it's so annoying or I have to do this because it's healthy it's like no like I choose to do this and I find ways to make it fun and funny and personify your organs guys (laughs) like like be in a relationship with them it's (laughs) so much easier to like have respect for them rather mm-hmm. than like this wet, bloody thing. Yeah. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a mouth and eyelashes. <laughs> Give it a name. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Lucy, Lucy yeah. Liver. Love Lucy you. Liver, so cute. <laughs> yeah, I think it is so important that we do work with our body and look at it from that place of love and respect for it rather than, yeah, feeling like, oh, I have to do this because this is what I need to do or this is the right thing or the healthy thing to do. Being like, I get to do this because I choose to and because I want to support my Lucy liver or <laughs> whatever organ it may be. So, Sorry, I 
know we're probably going over time but like those of us that have had health challenges I think it's really easy to be like it's so unfair everyone else gets away with this stuff it's and what I say to my clients that sometimes feel like that because I think it I think I probably felt like that at one point is yeah but technically just because someone's quote unquote getting away with it mm-hmm. they're still a human and that is not that thing they're doing is still not good for the human body so whether yeah. it catches up with them now or it catches up with them in 60 years time mm-hmm. like what you're doing now is what ideally everyone would do it's just you've had to learn that you've had to learn it earlier and now yeah. you're using it to heal whereas if other people did it they'd be using it to prevent and once you do mm. heal you will be using it to prevent you'll probably end up healthier it's like the tortoise and the hare yeah those with health challenges say that they're like 20 and they start learning the stuff now you're going to eventually win that race if mm. everyone's doing what they're doing in the yeah. fo- in the 40s like I'm thinking women I'm thinking you're the ones changing the things now your menopause is going to be so much easier yeah. than those <laughs> toxic livers yeah so That's true podcast we should really talk about the liver in menopause <laughs> yeah true menopause is such an interesting topic and one that people need support with so yeah definitely want to think about <laughs> but for, until then just look yeah, after your like- liver <laughs> <laughs> awesome and aside from your website where can the listeners find you uh, probably Instagram is my best point of call. So just, just, that's just my name, uh, Rachel Favilla. Come find me. I make way too many reels. We love your reels. They're very entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Rach. It's been so much fun and I've loved recording this conversation so that others can listen and learn and benefit from it as well. Um, I'm sure we'll have many more rants behind the scenes and off air as well. But um, yeah, it's nice to have brought it live today too. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you so much to you and to everyone for listening. Big love. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I'd absolutely love for you to leave me a review and let me know what you think. I'm always open to feedback. And if you have any dream guests or topic requests, please feel free to send me a direct message or an email. If you know anyone else that this episode could benefit, I'd be so grateful if you could share it with them. Together, we can help even more people live a nourished life. Your support means so much to me and I appreciate you being here.